I'm Grace, the Amy Santiago of Royal Bloggers. And I'm Jessica, the Dorothy's Borana of Royal Bloggers. And we'd like to welcome you to On Air, the podcast where two cynical Brits discuss the latest royal news and the truth behind the story. So, hello everyone and welcome back to the On Air podcast. This is our first episode of 2022 um, and, you know, 2021 was a very difficult year for everybody for lots of different reasons um, and I'm sure that it is a year that most people would rather forget but we've decided to disregard that and have multiple topics for this episode where we talk about 2021. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for our first topic of this year to be nice and you know friendly totally non-controversial we're going to go clothing costs because obviously um, 2021 was an interesting year for royals with uh, some of it being still with online and virtual engagements engagements coming back tours not really happening but as we reached the end of the year we obviously were able to get several different um sums of money estimates amounts royals spent on their clothing throughout the year the authority on uh, the clothing costs sort of um tally is the website ufo no more which some of you may have heard of, some of you probably won't. What UFO No More do for people who are not aware is that they sort of count up the um, numbers for lots of different royals, both sort of working royals and kind of private citizens like Princess Beatrice. And, um, and what they actually are counting is if, if me as a private citizen, if I wanted to buy all of the items that Kate or whoever wore in a particular year, how much would it cost me? Um, so they they openly state that they don't know if people get discounts, they don't know if people get things for free, but what they do to make it fair is they count the highest cost they can find or the full retail value for um, every item and just, you know, so it's it's not saying this is what they spent on their wardrobe, it's saying this is what their wardrobe costs. And I think fairly unsurprisingly, the Duchess of Cambridge came out on top. 30,000 euros above the person in second place, which wasn't a surprise yeah. considering how, <laughs> how many different outfits she wore last year. Yeah, I think anyone who kind of even vaguely follows her fashion or the cost of her fashion would probably not have been surprised by the amount of money that was spent. Although people might be immediately drawn to those sort of numbers that are kind of, you know, the total figure that they spend, I think that in terms of statistics, it's more helpful to look at the amount that they spent per new piece. Yes. So price per piece, Catherine came in at, according to UFO No More, €1,006.98, which wasn't the highest, um, but it was still quite high. So it's obviously, um, it was top four, so she was in fourth place in that one compared to first in the overall total. Um, and also most of her items were identified as well. So there were a few people who had quite a few unidentified items, like um, Crown Princess Mary of Denmark had 97 new items and of those 31 weren't identified mm -hmm. whereas for Kate 118 were new but only 14 weren't identified yeah. so there is a bit of obviously you can't be completely perfect but I think it's very clear that in 2021 Kate spent far more money on her royal wardrobe than any other royal and I don't think it was a massive surprise considering 
the sort of the top three who kind of rotate in those top three have been for the last few years the Duchess of Cambridge, the Duchess of Sussex and Princess Charlene and the Duchess of Sussex was in America and on maternity leave and Princess Charlene was in South Africa and she was ill so of the big three there was only one who was out regularly. So at the very bottom we had um, Queen Letizia who spent the least um, in terms of her price per piece Um, which again makes sense because she is very heavily criticised um, compared to a lot of royals, and I think does you know wearing an extremely expensive items could give people another reason to dislike her. Um, but it also she's a very very smart dresser, and I think that's the difference between um, Letizia and Kate or some of the other uh, royals who are up the top. Yes, definitely, and I think if you compare Catherine and Letizia, it's really interesting because um, particularly for this last year, um, Kate had the most new pieces with 118 and Letizia was second with 111. Um, Kate had the most identified with 102 and Letizia was second with 72. And then you go down to the price per piece and the grand total. And while Kate's was over 100,000, Letizia's grand total for the whole year was 21,000 euros, um, which is tiny really. Um, and I mean, we saw signs throughout the year. She, when she went to the um, Swedish state dinner, she wore a H and M dress, which was a, I think, a clear sign that she was going quite frugal. Yeah, I think that's where the difference is. She does wear a lot of high street, but then you know, so does so do a lot of the royals. I think the difference is what the Tizzy will do is she will buy like a blazer, and she will wear that blazer first of all with a pair of smart black work trousers. And then a few months later, she'll wear it again and she's wearing it with a skirt, like a, a pencil skirt or something. And then a few months after that, she'll wear it again and it will be with a pair of white jeans. So she's not only usually buying from High Street, but even when she's buying more expensive things, she mixes and matches really, really well. So it feels like she's wearing new things, but she's actually repeating something that she's already worn several times. Yes, definitely. Um, and just to be like super interested in this I looked back at the year before um but I've gone back to have a look now at both Letizia and Kate and I think it's really interesting that even though in the 2020 period they both wore more clothes um debuted more pieces um Letizia's um and Kate they both had lower costs in 2020 so they both went up and in fact from for Letizia to go from being um even as low as she was then to being the lowest in this year, it proves how much all the royal women included in the UFO No More Count have spent more on their clothes in 2021. I, d- I think it makes sense, actually. Now, I hadn't realised that, but I think it makes sense. Uh, I, well, uh, on a practical level, a lot of the time, we just saw them sitting at a desk. So we literally only had half of the outfit. We didn't know what they wore on the bottom. We didn't know how expensive their shoes were. <laughs> I suppose a lot of people question um, why any of this matters. <laughs> um Uh, because a lot of the royals will pay for all of these clothes out of their own pocket. That's, you know, that's the question really, is like, if we're not, if it's not public funds, why does any of this matter? Yes. Um, I think a lot of it is public perception. People look at royals and they do tend to look at the clothes. Um, And I think it's really interesting that the, the early sort of years of spending have this kind of public perception lingering thing for the rest of their time as a royal because way back in 2011 when 
Kate married into the royal family, she wore a lot of clothes, but also she wore a lot of Hobbs and Zara in that very sort of first, you know, cheap clothes. And people were like, oh, she's making a royal wardrobe. But look, she's also worn this £25 dress. And her costs were still, they were they were high for things like jewellery and the big dresses, but they were still averaging out quite low because she didn't really start spending a lot of money until after she had George. Whereas, and the perception of Kate is she's a very frugal royal. She's a high street duchess. She goes to the cheap shops and buys affordable things. Whereas Meghan in her first year of royal, according to UFA No More, because I've got the numbers for that. Obviously, these started later than Kate, um, was much, much bigger. That Her first year was the cost of her clothing for that year was 479,000 euros, which is the highest of any royal according to UFA No More that on the years they've done. And even though this year, at no other year has Meghan been the top spender, she's always, someone goes, oh, well, Meghan spends loads of money on her clothes. To some degree, as you said earlier, I was sort of hinted at earlier, even the most affordable royals or the most thrifty, if you want to say that, royals are still spending more than I could even dream of spending in a year. Rich people spend money. That's what they do best. And so we're, we're the, the baseline that we're accepting as, except, you know, as OK is always ridiculous um, when you compare it to the general public. <laughs> So to a degree, them spending a lot of money is not the issue. It's more its more like a gauge of whether or not you get what the public want. Yes, I think it's really interesting because at no point have I ever looked at any royals spending on clothes and being frustrated with it. Like it's never actually bothered me. But the public perception of it, I don't want to say worries me because it sounds like I have a real investment in it, but like it confuses me that royals can't necessarily see that because I think um Crown Princess Victoria does a fantastic job she's very interested in the environment she does wear a lot of sustainable clothes um um and her clothing cost this year was higher than I thought than I expected it to be um she came higher in the tally but she everyone's like well that makes sense you did a lot more engagements than I think she was the most working Swedish royal she, you know, did a lot of work. She was out in public more than the King and Queen were. We saw her more. And that's fine. Whereas I think Kate was protected by the fact she ended 2021 in this kind of bubble of, oh, wasn't that a nice carol concert she just did? And that kind of swept her into the new year. Whereas if it had come out in, you know, earlier in the year, in August, in September, after they just had a month off, it would have looked a lot worse. So that leads us very nicely into our second kind of 2021 throwback um, topic, which is another very similar thing in that it's kind of an end of year tally. um, And that is the engagement numbers. Um, So the most um, rigorous and well-known count um, is for the British royal family. And it uh, it appears in the Times every year. It's uh, compiled by a guy named Tim O'Donovan big Timmy but the reason that Tim's count is so valuable is that he has been doing it for so long that you can do year on year comparison in a way that you just can't um if it was somebody who started counting two years ago I feel like I should have the chart music you know like the in number 10 no um so should we start at the top uh work our way down Anne and Charles um I mean who's surprised 
I mean, no, no one is. I, they both work a lot. They both do a lot of the kind of legwork mm -hmm. with the obscure charities like lifeboat charities and lighthouse charities. And yeah. they do a lot of engagements in one day. So you'll see, you know, if you look at the court circle, it'll be like, today the Princess Royal did this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And then she did this and this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay. I always forget how old they are, you know, to be pulling in those numbers at their age. And that's, that sounds so dismissive because they're still, they're both very healthy. But it is, you know, it, having, having the institution being essentially held up by two people who normally would have been retired by now is just a little bit amusing and odd. It shows the odd, the odd nature of the, the monarchy compared to other family businesses. It's like you said, they're both very healthy. It was just, it's when they were stepping up and down at the cenotaph and I was like, oh, please don't fall down the step. <laughs> never thought that before. I've never looked at any of them walking up steps being like, oh, they can't manage that, they're old. But I think it's because they have to step down backwards. And I remember a few years ago watching the Queen doing it and I was like, oh my God, this woman is in her 90s if she falls. And she didn't, she was fine, but it did very much throw me. Um, but yes, I remember, I think this year, um, Charles worked more days than Anne, but Anne worked more, did more engagements. But like you said, it's very similar. And they do kind of flip-flop between being one and number one and number two every single year. I like to think they've got a badge or something that they exchange between them, depending on who's number one and who's number two. To my... Oh, okay, it's a weird one. Because I say to my surprise, it's not to my surprise that he's third because of the shockingly small number of working royals we suddenly appear to have in Britain. But... To my surprise with the amount of engagements he did was the Duke of Cambridge came in third with 235 engagements, which, yes, is about 100 lower than Charles and Anne. But there was a point in about September I thought, this man's not going to get 150 this year. <laughs> so clearly Peter was the end of the year. Yeah, I, I wrote down in my notes, William equals surprisingly not bad with an exclamation mark. Um, <laughs> that's the extent of, these. you get an insight into the terrible notes that I write before we do this. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I thought that, um, yeah, I was surprised really that he came in third. I think when you look at it again, you realise, like, as you say, a lot of people have stepped back who were in that middle chunk. The Duke of York, uh, Prince Andrew. Um, was always quite high. He was always quite high. But I was surprised to not see, like, Edward being higher than than William in particular. I think it's, you know, he did a, he did a good job. It's... I would have, if it maybe been like 10 more and he'd got to 250, that would have been nice because it's a nice round number. Um, yeah, I would have liked that. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, they didn't have overseas tours this year. So that definitely would have impacted the numbers, you know, so that there might be a higher number next year. But I think that it's a promising sign because for a very long time, we've all kind of felt that he isn't necessarily pulling his weight as, um, somebody who could at any moment be the next you know, heir to the throne. Um, and I think, I do think that kind of 2018-19 era was a bit of a switcheroo for the British royal family in terms of how they approach things. But I definitely think, I mean, over the last year for William, he's done a lot of engagements with the Duchy of Cornwall. Um, he's done engagements with Charles. He's, and I think there's definitely more of a, okay, I'm taking this seriously now approach. Yeah. But I would like to see him at 300. Yeah, that might that might that might be sort of what it's reflecting. What the numbers are reflecting is just kind of this um, this general shift in the family. But um, it's difficult to know what things are going to be like next year because this is also a very weird year, you know. 
yes, I think 2020, everyone expected it to be very low. Um, and then 2021 was a really weird year because we, up until March, we were locked down. And then there was a kind of a really weird period where we were sort of in, sort of out of lockdown. Charles and Camilla and Anne and Sophie and, you know, they all did engagements abroad. Charles and Camilla had tours, whereas, you know, William and Catherine and even Edward stayed home. <laughs> they didn't go out anywhere for the year. Um, which moves us nicely onto our next two, we might as well put them together, who are Edward and Sophie. Um, Edward had 204 and Sophie had 194. I mean, I don't actually look particularly hard at Edward's engagements, uh, I'm going to be honest, but I don't think I've seen him doing quite as many. Which is weird because they had that kind of, they had that, there was that article and was it the Daily Mail, the, te- the Telegraph? Yeah, which was kind of like a, it was just a soft kind of interview thing. You know, royals do that from time to time. But it kind of felt like, although they, they said that they were sort of, they weren't trying to push themselves forward. They were just very happy to support the Queen however they could. Yeah, yeah, um, I do, it did feel a bit like they were like a soft launch for, you know, brand Edward and Sophie. This is going to be, you know, and then I just feel like they've kind of, and maybe this is wrong. Maybe I'm just not following the royal account very closely, but it does feel a little bit like they had this big bang and then that the numbers don't really seem to reflect that. I didn't actually expect them to be, I kind of, that's about where I would have thought put most people during a pandemic around the 200 mark. I'm not, shocked they're not higher I'm not surprised they're not lower but I I imagine if you know touch wood this year works out a bit better and less covid both of them will increase that number by quite a bit um I quite like watching Edward's engage when, I, when Edward does engagements they always quite amuse me because he just kind of is like oh I'm here again on a job and then S- Sophie you know nowadays she's very sort of stable I, th- I think this sounds so horrible, but her having a middly kind of number, she's a middly kind of person. Like she, yeah. I don't think she's can really offend people. If people know who she is, they're just a bit like, <laughs> oh yeah, she's nice. But I'm not the biggest fan of Sophie, but I always think, like you said, she's very, I don't want to say bland because that sounds really rude, but she's, she's just like there. She does the job. She's yeah. quite, almost positioning herself I was like this kind of, I don't want to say like maternal role within the family, but with the queen being so much older mm-hmm. and I think Camilla and Anne both not really having that kind of maternal figure, the next yeah. person to fit into that slot is Sophie. Speaking of the queen, she's next, which surprised me. I forgot she did actual work this year. Maybe I really, maybe I forgot I stopped following the royal family account or something because I feel like I haven't seen any of them do anything. Um, if I actually think about it I can't think of a single thing any of them ever did in my head because she was an old woman and then lost her husband and then got really ill well not really ill but got ill and then couldn't do anything for the rest of the year I thought she'd be at like 100 maybe but no clearly there was a period of time where she did loads of work and I just didn't notice I imagine most of them were by video link because I feel like she didn't leave the house really apart from for the odd thing until kind of September October and then she did like three weeks of really continuous work and then had to pull out of that island trip because she was ill and then didn't leave the house again I personally would like to propose that even if she feels better and could go out and you know COVID goes away I would like her to just always be replaced by some form of technology so (laughs) when we have a state banquet I would like an iPad with the queen's face (laughs) on like a like a segue type thing to just be rolled in and we could tape a little plastic tiara to the top 
um, and just yeah. have that instead of her turning up in person. <laughs> I think it would be genius. To me, she's very nearly 100, so. Yeah. If we just go for, she always has to do around the same number of engagements as her age, then we'll be yes. very right. You know, she has certain responsibilities that are not going to be counted as official engagements. I think while we still want to have a lot of engagements from her because we still want to see to see her, you know, people, for some reason, people find a lot of comfort in seeing her. Um, I do also think that it's understandable that she is scaling back the official things because she's she, no matter what, she will have these things that she has to do. Um, and so she needs to make sure that she has enough energy to do those. Um, and then we, we run a real sort of run of female royals because next one is the Duchess of Cornwall who had 166 um, and is always surprisingly low. Well, not surprisingly low because she's always got a very low engagement number considering she is the, she's the Princess of Wales. She is the Duchess of Cornwall. She's married to the heir of the throne. She's very likely to be, you know, the legal queen soon. Yeah, I like Camilla a lot. I am not a Camilla hater. Um, but I do think that she does not work very much. And if it's, you know, she is an older woman. So if there is some sort of health issue that's happening, um, that means that it's difficult for her to go out, then I think people would be understanding. But it's just they haven't said that as far as I know. So we can only assume that she is just as healthy as Anne and Charles. And so then the question becomes like, well, why is she doing you know half the numbers that Charles is doing yes um yeah I think like you I I like Camilla I think you know after Kate she's my favorite member of the British royal family I really like Camilla I like her areas of interest like they really align with mine um she's done a lot of really interesting things this year like her Instagram reading room which I mean I don't engage with but I like looking at it and be like oh books um and if she wasn't, you know, a 72 year old woman, I imagine it would be very popular. Um, but yeah, that kind of vibe. And it's it's I think that kind of thing is really good. And I love her area of work. Um, but her, I always think her numbers are if you're going to complain about someone in the royal family doing having low engagement numbers, Camilla's the one who gets overlooked the most in that area. I don't actually ever expect her to be doing the same numbers as Charles, but I'd expect her to be doing the same numbers as William. My only theory, and this is just a theory, it's based on absolutely nothing and it might be completely wrong. Maybe it is a deliberate attempt to try and avoid overexposure because Camilla is, amongst a lot of people, not very popular. And so I think that, I think that they might be sort of trying to not push her in people's faces especially in the early years because um you know they don't want her they don't want people to see her so much that they get tired of her that's my only theory as to why it could be so low no I definitely I think you're right I think the the people who support the monarchy tend to also outwardly support Diana yeah and you know Camilla is the villain of the piece in their minds I think there is a the worry that if Camilla's everywhere all of a sudden all you'll get is more of a oh Diana wouldn't have done this or Diana would have done this and and then so was Kate next on the list there was a period before she announced her pregnancy with Louis there was a real ramping and kind of her pregnancy with Louis when Kate was in 2017-18 there was a real ramping up of engagements and she did loads and loads and loads and then obviously she went on maternity leave and then we did hit the pandemic quite quickly but 
by the end of this year, Louise and nursery, Charlotte and George are both at school. They didn't work for the whole of August. You know, I've accepted the fact that the Cambridges don't work when the children are off school. You know what, that's fine. Lots of parents do that. But then she's very inconsistent. I think the argument that people mostly come up with is that she's a young mother and so she's prioritising her children. And okay, I, I reject that for a few different reasons. Like, as you say, I'm not unreasonable. I For a long time, I was complaining bitterly about Kate not doing um engagements you know regularly because she had kids and then I realized after a while that's non-negotiable but as you mentioned Louis is at nursery the kids are um at school now the other thing is that they have two parents (laughs) um and I know that William does more um because he is going to be the future king and Kate is not going to be a a monarch in her own right but I still think it, there's a big gulf between them. And that's something she has said herself. You know, I'm not going against her own beliefs, which, you know, in every interview she's given about motherhood or whatever, she said that she's recognised that being there for every single pickup and every single drop off at school or, you know, every single thing that happens is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that when you are with your children, you are spending quality time with them and you are really focusing on them. And so her own principles seem to be that it's okay to skip the occasional thing because you have this other responsibility that you know lots of parents have she it i i i imagine this will be her pattern of work for a long time i keep seeing articles of people who are like her focus will be on her children for her next 15 years and i'm like i can't do another 15 years of complaining people complaining about me complaining every year um but I can, I'll, you know, I'll accept it until the kids are all in secondary school or, you know, boarding somewhere. I don't mind. I was thinking the other day about Heads Together and about how impactful it is and how it's almost like I, you forget how it was everywhere. And I think, you know, apart from the Duke of Edinburgh Wards and the Prince's Trust, I can't really think of another British royal project that was that widespread that popular that successful that impactful and I think that shows that when Kate puts her mind to something and puts the work in it can have that impact and I think now she's as far as we know stopped having children and as the pressure on her to do more engagements will just increase and I don't think she feels the pressure (laughs) you know it's kind of the eternal dilemma that a lot of royals have to face in the modern era which is that for us, particularly for our generation and the younger people, we think instantly. If we want a news story, we have every bit of information that humans could possibly know in our in a small device that we hold in our hands and that I keep dropping on the floor. <laughs> you know, it's it's whereas the royals, they work in years, decades, centuries. So for Kate having low engagement numbers, she's like, well, I'm gonna be doing this for the rest of my life. I will get there. Whereas everyone else is sort of thinking, yeah, but we want you there now. I mean, I think she told us this herself in her right back in her engagement interview. I remember because I rewatched it when they had their anniversary. And I remember her saying that, you know, she'd got a lot of criticism in the press for um, not really having a real job. She worked for her parents. And she said at that time, the only thing that really matters is that she knows she works hard and the people that matter to her know that she worked hard. And I think that that is the attitude that she has had every day since, which is that if she thinks she's doing enough and if she's happy with her numbers, she's not going to change. And that might work 
in the long run, but it also could show that she is not attuned to the public. Like this positive wave of publicity for her right now is not going to last forever. So not to make this the um, official Kate episode, but (laughs) on Sunday, which is the 9th, which is Kate's 40th birthday. Um, And I was really excited for this. I don't know why. I was just like, oh, not like it's actually impacting my life at all that a woman is having a birthday somewhere. But quite to my complete surprise, uh, Kensington Palace revealed that Kate sat for three well, more than three, apparently, but three official portraits um, that they released, and they are regal and proper portraits, so not just her sat on a fence and Jean smiling. Um, and, I mean, I don't know, I'm quite speechless about it. I very much wasn't expecting anything, and if I was, I was expecting a picture of Kate in a field smiling. Um, and we got three very different portraits taken by um, Paolo Reversi, who is an Italian photographer who takes a lot of high fashion high-end celebrity photos and the pictures which we'll talk about more in a minute are going to end up in the National Portrait Gallery and they're going to be part of a coming home exhibition Um, and they're going to end up being displayed around the country in places that are very meaningful to Kate and it's quite clever because the places that are very meaningful to Kate are um, Berkshire where she grew up which is in England St Andrews, where she went to university, which is in Scotland, and Anglesey, where she first lived with William, where she, uh, where, she where they first got married, which is in Wales, which I think is very smart. Yeah, I, I, so to just pick up on the National Portrait Gallery thing, I think that was very, very smart. Um, and I have read a lot of these gushy um, articles about Kate that have come out for her birthday, um, and some of them have been a bit too much, even for me. <laughs> but a lot of them said that she doesn't do things because she thinks that she's expected to do things she does them because she genuinely thinks okay well this is something that I want to do or this is how I can tie it to something else and so I think linking her birthday to her patronage um making it so that the portraits are going to be shown in you know England Wales and Scotland um it it was very very smart because it gave it a an added dimension that it wasn't just I mean it would have been fine if she just released photographs for her birthday, people, I don't think people would have complained too much, but um, I thought that was a nice little, you know, tick, whoever, whoever's idea that was. Yes. I think after her, when in 2016, British Vogue had their 100th um, edition and obviously they chose Kate to be the cover star. They brought all these ball gowns and she was like, let's do the real me up in Amna Hall in jeans and dungarees and out in nature with Lupo. And it was lovely. And I love those pictures. But I was like, oh, we're never going to get a proper set of regal photos of Kate. And I'd come to terms with it. And everyone was like, oh, we're going to get all these pictures for her birthday. And they're going to be all regal. And she's going to have tiaras on. And I was like, no, we won't. Don't get your hopes up. And then there was a room where we were going to get one picture. And I was like, oh, OK, picture of her in the garden. I get it. I know where we're going with this. So I was completely gobsmacked. I don't think I like moved for like five minutes. I just kind of sat there like, what? I definitely thought that. The, the way that they often do this thing where they'll, they'll obviously invite a photographer over and they'll do a whole photo shoot and they'll have 
ones of them as individuals they'll have ones of William and Kate together they'll have ones with the kids and then throughout the year they kind of drip feed them so they'll have a birthday or a mother's day or whatever and they'll release a new photograph that we haven't seen from that particular photo shoot so what I assumed we were going to get I did think we'd get a new photograph but I thought it would either be something that was just taken in the back garden um or that it would be one that was maybe from when they went to Jordan and they had that, you know, they had their yeah. Christmas photo with the whole family. I thought maybe the photographer might have taken one of her on her own and that was what was going to be used. I did not expect three full new portraits in sort of evening gown, um, you know, the, the works. There was no tiara, but I don't think that was her style at this point. So, yeah, I think as soon as I know the front cover start coming out quite early. So I did avoid the Internet from about eight until about yeah. just before half 10 so I didn't get any so I didn't want to see it in like standard definition I wanted the Kensington Palace official photo <laughs> um, so I waited and really I and I, I'd seen a people be like oh my god Catherine so I knew she'd really something but people say that if she like wears a bin bag so I was like well, she could wear anything mm-hmm. and then the first picture Kensington Palace released was the one of her and her looking off to the side in a very kind of Victorian era which matches I think another really nice touch links a lot to her sort of undergraduate thesis to her work in Florence when she went there on her gap year and that kind of Victorian era of photography and it looks like a port like an actual painted portrait and I spent a really long time staring at it trying to figure out if it was painted or not because obviously Kensington Palace on that first tweet just put the camera icon and I was like is that because they thought a paintbrush would be confusing or was it a photo obviously it's a photo I've now realized that but it looks like a proper if someone said this is a portrait of someone from the 1800s I'd be like yeah seems about right yeah I mean I definitely think that and this is you know Paolo mentioned in his um he did like they usually do sort of a statement that's released alongside the photographs the photographer tends to do that um and he did say in there she's very interested in like the Victorian era which we already knew um and so yeah you can I can think you can definitely see that I also when I first saw it I thought it looked eerily like a port like a photograph that had been taken of Princess Margaret yes um by Cecil Beaton so for people who don't know who Cecil Beaton is um he was a photographer who took a lot of the portraits of the Queen the Queen Mother and Princess Margaret and um if you watch The Crown he is a memorable character in that because at the end of the first series and the second series, he's, they both end with photo shoots, one of the Queen and one of the whole family. And he does this like long monologue about England and the monarchy. And it's completely, nobody seems to be to notice that this weird man is just doing a monologue while he's taking their <laughs> photograph. And I don't, I don't know if that's what Cecil Beaton was like in real life. I have no idea. But um, I always remember his character in that because I'm just like, this is a weird guy. And I am not, I do not know what he's saying. Or what has any relevance? Like, can you talk to people like a normal human? Um, so that's Cecil Beaton. And that's that's the vibe it gave me. It, I mean, it's a beautiful image. Um, I think it's very smart because it's an image that will that will last, that it won't date really quickly, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's it's the image they're gonna pull out for the rest of her life. When she is if she is Queen Catherine, you know, and there's a BBC documentary about her on her 80th birthday and they have a comparison photo. That's the, you know, the first regal sort of portrait of the, of Queen Catherine. Um, and I think I, when you looked at the statement said by uh, Paolo, he mentioned that that was his favourite. That one was Catherine's favourite. And it's the one that she 
views as the official picture yes definitely um yeah so I, I mean I thought it was beautiful I know that there are all sorts of photography opinions that I know nothing about because I don't know anything about like the technicalities of photography but I think that it yeah it was it was a very beautiful very striking I was really surprised especially because they I the one I'd seen first was the one in color which we'll talk about in a minute um I was so I thought they were all going to be sort of like her in color so to get this very classical looking black and white um image it was just very it was very striking and very sort of I mean even like I love the hair the way that there's obviously some sort of like wind machine or something that's kind of blowing it back it just I don't know that it just it does feel it's just a really beautiful image yeah I mean it's kind of off topic but mentioning her hair she's got her she's got this kind of side parting and Kate doesn't wear side parting very often and I think the last time she was at the Earthshot Prize where she kind of had a more side parting and I think it really threw me in some of the like full-on face shots because I was like that's not what your hair looks like and then I was like oh it's the parting <laughs> it's really thrown me she's definitely a middle parting person so um the second the second picture I'm gonna go with the red one was the only one in color which surprised I think the opposite from around you because I'd seen the other one first I was like oh color this is bright I mean she was in red which I loved she was happy she was moving it I like it a lot I Oddly, my mum, I came downstairs this morning and my mum was like, oh, I've seen the pictures of Kate then. And I was like, yes, obviously. Um, she's like, I hate that one up there in red. It doesn't look nice. <laughs> I was like, okay. Can I just say, I love when, like, I don't know if your family know that you would blog about royals and stuff, but um, I love when my mum will send me a message being like, did you see this thing that happened? And it will have happened three days earlier and been a huge piece of news. And it's like, do you really think that you knew that it happened before I did? Like, of course I knew that this happened. <laughs> but anyway, yes, so your mum didn't like the red no, one. She didn't like it. And then um, my sister was in the room. She was like, who, who is Kate? What's going on? And I was like, look, look at these <laughs> pictures. And she was like, oh, no, I don't like that one either. Oddly, their views were very much the opposite of mine. I did like the red one. I thought it looked very much like the Kate we know and see in public, the kind of more relaxed side of her. Um, and again, I think if we look at Paolo's article, he spoke about how the third picture, which is this red one, I know I've done it second, which is confusing, but still, um, is the one that they chose because it's how she sort of feels inside. It's her being sort of free and dressed with pockets and having a great time. And it looked very sort of happy and... If I was expecting them to do something more fancy, that's the picture I would have expected them to go for. Yeah, so it was the first one I saw. So I immediately had this reaction of like, oh my God, she's dressed up. She's fancy. She's look at, look at her. Um, because it was just a surprise. And then, you know, I think it is lovely because it a lot of the, a lot of people I've seen have basically, they wanted her in full evening gown, tiara, sash. And I think that it, it can be quite hard to do an image like that and make it feel natural. That, that instantly feels very regal yes I liked this because I felt like yes she's dressed up and she's fancy but she's also she's in movement and um she's got pockets everybody loves a pocket dress she's smiling and so it felt um it felt sort of like a more grown-up version of what we're used to seeing from her so I really liked that she didn't that even in that image she didn't go down the route of it kind of being like standing still and looking at the camera it was all it felt like a photograph that had been taken by somebody who knew her or you know a friend or a family member or something I will say I was really surprised to see this dress on her because I would never have put something like this on her I was really 
glad they were all Alexander McQueen gowns. Not only because I actually like a lot of Alexander McQueen gowns, but I really, she, obviously, uh, that was her wedding dress designer. Sarah Burton did her wedding dress and then did like her first tube in the colour and she's done all the Cambridge christening outfits. And she does those big sort of Kate moments. But for the gowns, she Kate tends to go Jenny Packham, which you may, that's her taste. And But I thought her 40th birthday portraits are quite a big thing I mean I didn't realize it was such a big deal Kate's 40th birthday until it was like I was watching BBC Breakfast a few days ago and it was like oh so the Duchess of Cambridge turns 40 on the weekend let's talk about that I was like this is news now (laughs) okay um but yeah I I'm glad she went for like her her sort of power design (laughs) for this and she went for if you look at the full dresses and I know they were customized a bit but they're edgier than what we'd expect to see Kate in and I I love that very much yeah because I mean I'm a huge McQueen fan um and it's not that I don't like the designs that Sarah creates for Kate but I have always felt a bit like this is an edgy brand they've got skulls on things and you know when you remove all of the edginess from that brand it kind of feels like you're sucking something out of it and I've, I've part of me's always been like well why doesn't she just make somebody else her official designer um but I know that she's got like this really good relationship with Sarah Burton um I was interested about the clothing because there was something that Paolo mentioned about kind of Sarah being there and helping to pick out the, the dresses and it kind of being a collaborative thing so I just I wondered if they if she owns them or if like for most photo shoots and for the Vogue photo shoot, for example, those weren't her clothes. They were brought with her, with them and she borrowed them for the photo shoot. And that's the standard way that photo shoots go. So I did wonder whether or not these are gowns that Kate actually owns or whether they were made by Sarah for the photo shoot, but are not her personal property. Yeah, they are. They are bespoke versions. Um, it re- I don't know. I think none of them, apart from possibly the one in that first image, judging by the full-length pictures of them, our gowns, unless they've been altered all the way down to the, the floor, our gowns you would wear again um, because they're not full-length gowns. They're more like if she was off to a, I don't know, party on the Thames at night with a sort of gala, she might rock up in one, but it's not very Kate. It's not her uniform, you know, and maybe maybe she, she brought them from Sarah and will wear them personally at, you know, birthday parties but I I can't see them being worn again apart from at quite maybe that first one at quite a prestigious event so it wouldn't surprise me if she hadn't brought them but then who was going to wear them <laughs> what's going to happen to them are they going to go on display I would take that I don't know I think for some brands the um like like brands that make um sort of haute couture or make avant-garde stuff like they don't sell a lot of those so what they do is they use those as art pieces that advertise their more affordable stuff. So I could genuinely see Sarah thinking, well, the exposure that I'm going to get across the world from designing these pieces for somebody who I've built up a friendship with is worth more than the actual cost of designing something that's never going to be worn again. But I actually, you've, that's a really good idea of having them exhibited. I think that would be lovely. Yeah, I mean, I think with it being William's birthday as well this year and the Jubilee, they could do a good a good uh fashion display somewhere next year of royal fashion in 2022 yeah just gonna put that out there if anyone's listening <laughs> should do that um yeah and then the third and final picture was the picture of her looking full onto the camera 
and this was my my mum's favourite. This was my least favourite. Although the more I look at it, the more I like it. Um, and it is has Kate's face in a lot of focus, and the rest of her body, which is, looks in a very beautiful gown, um, in a lot less focus, a lot softer. I feel like that's a technical term. I don't know if it is. It just sounds more technical than it's a bit blurry. Um, <laughs> but I I think the reason it's grown on me so much actually came from reading the article, which is where Paolo said that it was the picture chosen by William and the children, which A, I love because I can just imagine them being there and laughing at, you know, mummy taking all these pictures and you know, having a look through them with her and be like, I like that one. You look pretty in that one, mummy. And, you know, all of that. And then I am, that's what it must look like. That's what caters to them, this kind of happy, smiling figure. And it's almost like the story behind it is nicer than the actual picture. But a lot of people have said that's their favourite. Um, I had an Anne on yesterday tell me that was their favourite. It's my mum's favourite. So clearly I am the one in the minority with not actually like it. <laughs> But I, I think it looks very pretty. So I'll take it. I, I also love the story. And I think that that kind of says, it speaks to a lot of what Kate has said in the past about her own interest in photography and what I think she's done really nicely. So when we haven't seen a lot of photographs from her, but we've seen more recently. And, and the ones from the Holocaust survivors and their families has been the most moving ones. And she made a lot of choices in those images that were deliberate. So um, sort of the inspiration from some of the Dutch masters was a reflection of the fact that somebody, you know, in the photographs was from, from the Netherlands originally, or they had the light coming from um, Jerusalem or the direction that Jerusalem is in. So, you know, there was all these little things that um, were kind of saying something, but weren't an immediately obvious to somebody who was just looking at the image. And I, so I, that's why I really liked the story behind it, because as you say, it is how they see her. This is what the, that's what the photograph is conveying. It's conveying an image of Kate. And this is obviously the sort of smiley, um, kind of more relaxed, um, approachable, her face being centered rather than her clothing. You know, that's kind of obviously how they see her. And I think that does give it an extra sort of really sweet dimension to it. Um, and all of the photographs I actually thought were about equal to me. I liked all of them and disliked all of them to the same degree. I don't really have a favourite or a least favourite. I will say, I've seen a lot of people say this one looks kind of 80s, and that is exactly why I like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I see that. It's why it, everyone who said that, they, that it's 80s doesn't like it for that reason, but I love it. It kind of looks to me like the headshot of an actress who is auditioning to play the prom queen on Saved by the Bell. <laughs> um and I love that vibe. So with the crinkled hair and the puffy sort of, you know, gown going on, it just felt very Saved by the Bell prom vibes to me. And I am not mad at it. No, that is actually a perfect description of it. Like, it felt like it's about, she's about to go off to prom and her mum's just taking that picture. <laughs> it's the hair. The hair, the first time I saw it, I was staring at her face for ages because I could see Kate. But the hair really threw me off because it was all on one side of her head. I mean, obviously not all of it. She had some hair on the other side. But I was just like what this looks so strange and then obviously when my eyes like adjusted to the fact it was you know sort of colorless and I got myself back in game and I kind of got over the shock of it I was like oh, yeah obviously I now see it. it's just a normal picture but I think it's it's not my favorite in terms of photography but in terms of like sentimentality I'm now completely mm -hmm. obsessed with it um yeah I, th I think the story behind it is so sweet and just the the idea of you know George and Charlotte being like 
that's what mummy looks like and that's the, my favorite and winning be like oh actually I like this and then be like no I want this <laughs> although this whole kind of conversation about William being there made me think about William's birthday being in a few months and like we're we gonna get three pictures of William in a suit because he's <laughs> I actually I was I was saying I was talking about this with some people last night and I was just like to be honest if I, I mean I would love to see Kate and the children in his photographs um because I'm not really that interested in William. So I think I would be more interested if they were in it. And if the option is that we can only have one of them, I say we skip William's birthday and we have Kate's birthday part two and she does more <laughs> photographs. And that's how we celebrate William's birthday. So, cause I like, I'm not interested. He's not going to bring any fashion. He's not going to walk around in an Alexander McQueen gown. I would love it if he did, but he's not going to. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, it is an interesting thought. Like, I don't know if they'll do like a big thing. It's interesting to compare because, you know, the 40th birthdays of um, royals in other countries would be something that would have a gala and tiaras and a concert and, you know, big celebrations. Um, whereas they seem to really be not doing that. And, not you know, with COVID going on, there isn't even really like a big private party that's happening that we know of anyway like even in the past if Charles has had a birthday we've known when it is we've seen all of the guests arrive we just haven't been allowed inside because it's not official yeah like we've seen all the other royals from the rest of the world turn out so we're like oh the party's happening yeah um but I don't think we'll even get that this year and I I, I don't know if Covid has changed things or if that was always the plan um but I I don't know I think it would be very hard for whatever William does to be as exciting as pretty dresses and pretty ladies being pretty yeah I saw a lot of people being like I'd love to have seen one of like Kate and the kids and I actually we don't have we have a lot of pictures of just William and the children and we don't have any of just Kate and all three of her children kind of like a a proper picture we have a few like paparazzi photos and I was like they're not going to release anything else today but like at the end of William's birthday once they both had a birthday surely we could have like I'm thinking their wedding anniversary video part two, but this time Kate and Will are both in their formal outfits that they took hopefully together. Um, and the kids are just running around. That's what I want to say <laughs> behind the scenes footage. I actually am quite glad that they didn't have the children in these photographs. I still think that they were included by having them choose the last image. Yeah. But I think it was quite nice that it was like, it was just her and it would have felt a bit odd to have the kids in such a formal vibe. Yeah, like where would they have been? Just like poking their head in the corner. It would have it, it would have just felt very odd to have her in a ball gown and then have the children sort of just being there, like, hi, we're also here. So I'm gl- I actually this is the first time where I've been glad that the kids weren't included. Um, but I do hope that you know William go- because William can't really impress with the fashion. I hope that he goes the opposite direction and he does have lots of images with the family um I hope that this also kind of sets things up for the rest of the year and so we get like Mother's Day photos and that kind of stuff yeah that's what I was gonna say I was gonna say I hope for Mother's Day we get like a behind the scenes picture from the photo shoot of Kate in her gown with the kids just like chatting to her like I'd like that I feel like we've got a lot of pictures because Kate is a photographer a lot of pictures of William with the kids for things like Father's Day and you know Christmas and and I'm like hey I love the fact you're taking these pictures it's very sweet but I would like to see you (laughs) take a selfie yeah because like 
William can use a phone. He, he's he got an iPhone. He can take a photograph that will look fine. Um, or one of their many, 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 many staff members could take a photograph of them. It doesn't even need to be a fancy professionally taken one. I just, yeah, it would be nice to see because, as you say, she is behind the camera a lot more. So we don't see her very much. And it, it's it would be nice to see. I hope I do hope that this kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year, because there is a fine line where some it can seem like too much sometimes. Um, but I do still think there's a lot of room for them to share a bit more. And things like Mother's Day are a really easy way to do that because she can, you know, William can take a photograph. There doesn't need to be a photographer coming in. So um, it's it's an, a non-intrusive way of still making us feel that connection with them. Yes, I, I think 2020, despite being a very bad year in terms of pandemic, was a really great year for sort of Cambridge photos because we did get a picture for Kate's birthday. We got the first time we got Mother's Day and Father's Day photos. And I just think like, I would like a picture for Mother's Day that isn't a cake, if possible. The cake was great. I want Kate, not cake. Very similar. I see why they got confused. <laughs> yeah, maybe they just got the letter wrong and that's how it, yeah, yeah. Birthdays are weird for royals because they're not actually events. But I think I was feeling quite nostalgic this year and it's her last sort of big birthday until her 50th. And I'd like to hope that at 35, I am maybe not running my tumbler. I don't know, maybe I will be. No one knows these days. God, I bet I, I bet I am. That's so depressing. But um, I was like, I just felt very, it kind of hit me how sort of, I don't know, like present she's been in my life, but without me realising, like I distinctly remember back in tw- the end of 2011, stealing my grandparents like copy of the Daily Mail because I get it on the Sunday to do the um puzzle pages. Um, and they had the sort of... <laughs> um, you magazines of Kate in them and I I took them home with me and I still have them somewhere they're probably on top of my bookcase and I was like wow look at these beautiful pictures she wears such pretty clothes and I look back and I'm like god all of these clothes were hideous yes yeah (laughs) but I was like wow and then you know 10 years later I'm still here (laughs) I was at St Andrews University when they got engaged so um I, I remember news vans parking up outside and uh outside the library they were all camped because they wanted to be there to take photos and videos and things and I just used to I mean I never went to the library throughout my entire time at university so um it was very rare but I was going to the library like multiple times every single day and just walking back and forth in front of news vans hoping somebody would ask to interview me which they (laughs) never did I was I was so cool about it as well I was so not obvious um so like yeah it, it's in a way a lot of people have grown up with her in the way that they a lot of people have grown up with the queen or well William and Harry and you know so I think um it is quite you know even just comparing to sort of six years ago when she did the Vogue seeing you know there was um in one of the stories about her 40th birthday, there was kind of a talk, a conversation about the Vogue shoot and about how, as you said, it was meant to reflect who she was at that time in her life, living in Norfolk, um, not being a full-time royal, not really being like princess, quote unquote, vibes. Um, whereas now it's kind of like she's embraced that part of her life and she is more mature and more confident. Um, and these photos kind of visually show that to people. Um, so it does, you know, even even if you didn't like the images yourself for whatever reason, I think seeing the difference between who she is now and who she was is 
is a is a nice thing. It's a special thing. I mean, her birthday next year is going to feel like a real letdown after this. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody celebrate their forty first? I don't know. Yeah. So um, thank you for joining us uh, for our first episode back of the new year. We hope that you enjoyed it. We hope that it wasn't too depressing to look back on 2021. Um, We are hoping in the next few weeks that we are going to do an episode about the sweaty elephant in the room, which is uh, Prince Andrew. And um, what we would like to request is that um, people send us questions that they have about the what's going on with Andrew at the moment. You can send those to our um, our individual social media accounts. I am Duchess of Ustietlands on um, Tumblr and um, How to Dress Like a Princess on um, t- uh, Instagram. And Grace is Princess Catherine Middleton on um, Tumblr and underscore K Middy on Instagram. And uh, our sort of on-air podcast accounts are um, on-air podcast at Tumblr, on-air podcast at Instagram. And we have an email, which is onairpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, but... Thank you so much for joining us for this episode today. Um, We are very pleased to be back. Um, Thank you for sticking with us. And goodbye. Bye. Bye.